Welcome in and welcome back. Yes, you have found the right station. We're back here again. This is Polar FC hosted by Polar Media. It is a sunny Sunday here in Cleveland as we're recording. Uh, hopefully everyone's doing well. Chris, how have you been? How have I been? Man, um, well, where do I start? You know, we're just in the middle of really towards the tail end of this uh um, you know, summer of international soccer. So I've been enjoying that as well, you know, mixed in with, you know, my summer internship and, you know, some other side gigs I've had going on, you know, I've uh, been keeping busy, been enjoying all the soccer lately and, you know, just can't complain. I mean, uh, not, not living uh, the penthouse life out in Cleveland like you are, Jacob, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty high up, but I'm not at the penthouse yet, but glad, <laughs> glad to hear you doing well. KR, how about yourself? Yeah, doing well, you know, uh, back after a short hiatus. Um, but, you know, in, in the meantime, definitely have kept in touch with all the international action that's been going on in the soccer world. Um, and, you know, just enjoying the last couple of days of summer. Um, but, yeah, happy to be here once again. And, uh, again, in hopes of, you know, maybe one day being at the penthouse level like Jacob Berg is. So. <laughs> all right. I love it. And yes, we do have a lot of international soccer to talk. Got a, you know, busy show as always, but first got to throw it back to Chris for his favorite part of every episode. Chris, oh, we yes. Do our, our the social plug, media plug at here. Polar FC pod. I promise this time I'm actually going to start putting some effort into the Twitter. I've had a lot going on. I've had to set a 2.30 a.m. alarm clock lately. Please just bear with me. I promise the content is coming. Follow us at uh, Polar FC Pod. 2.30 is brutal. That's like at, at that point, it's like someone would text me like around that time be like, well, are you up late or are you <laughs> are you up really early? And if you're in that question mark zone, it's got to be. It's got to be pretty. I mean, I remember back when it was my internship, I would uh, be waking up and getting into my car. I'd be driving by people coming home from the bars. So just to sort of highlight Ooh. the contrast. But there is there is one silver lining. There's virtually no car, no traffic on the road <laughs> heading into work. So rush hour <laughs> there traffic. You go. I don't have to worry about being – if I'm late, it's because I didn't set the alarm loud enough. It's not because of the traffic. <laughs> Uh, so I can't see that's that the flip side though maybe like you don't have it you can't blame traffic if you're a couple minutes late to work. exactly it's it's my fault if I'm not there on time or so you know, or the guy given who's the coffee uh at the gas station that's his fault yeah. <laughs> but you know give and take for sure but yeah without further ado we'll we'll hop into some international soccer we'll start off with uh the euros so euro 2020 just wrapped up here in 2021 uh it finished uh with Italian Italian wow Italy beating England in penalties uh obviously a big match a close match a lot of close matches especially as we uh got close to the final a lot of games ending in penalties um I know that we had some uh England fans in our uh podcast group chat here hoping that soccer would end up coming home. But unfortunately, it, it, it fell just short, though uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear you guys' thoughts on the matter. I guess uh, I'll start it off. You know, uh, I think I was one of the proponents of uh, uh, the Trophy of the Euro, definitely trying to come home to England. Um, overall, I think the tournament itself was very entertaining, uh, given that it was, you know, a year postponed, 
And, um, you know, a lot of question marks are going around in terms of the fan involvement and just the ability for the players to kind of stay fit and inform because, um, you know, they might have not had much time to play together as a national team. But I think it lived up to all the expectations. Um, the final, again, like you mentioned, Jacob, it went into penalty kicks like some of the other quarterfinals and semifinals did. Um, and overall, I think it was the two best teams in the entire tournament, I think, that met in the final. Uh, England, obviously, got, I would say, got the easier end of the straw um, with, you know, let's say the toughest opponent being Germany. But um, Italy being able to kind of, uh, you know, go against those doubts, stack on that winning streak. And, you know, once they were one of the worst teams in the world, and now they're probably one of the best, if not the best team in the world. And the way both those teams played, I think a lot of fans, they gained a lot of fans and a lot of people who were fans would have been satisfied with the outcomes of the tournament. Certainly, certainly. I think one of my, one of my favorite parts of the tournament as someone who I, I admittedly has, have been a little bit out uh, on following soccer this summer. I think I just, I, uh, I hopped in a little bit too strong on Byron. I like the, (laughs) Every game, I had the, the tweet notifications going for, like, all the fan rumors and everything. It was like, I went in hard, and then this summer I'll be like, all right, I need to, I need to tone it back a little. So now I'm trying to find that, that balance again as we're getting back into the uh, beginning of um, club play, which is, is crazy to think that, that the break's almost over already. But I, I will say, as someone who – who didn't follow too much, I did like to see on all uh, social media just stuff about the Italian players just doing like things that are kind of stereotypically Italian, like like talking like this and and uh, kind of making funny hand motions. I just thought that was quite entertaining. But uh, Chris, what, what were your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I was going to say for first couple points. One, I am you know kind of uh, disappointed in the fact that you were prioritizing things like your career over um, Euro twenty twenty. Um, I mean, you only get the top twenty four teams in Europe together once every four years for this tournament. I feel like you should give it a little bit more of your time and a little bit more consideration. Um, but you know, um, I don't know. Uh, that was my first thing. My second thing is, um, did you like recently become a soccer fan? Like, was this like your? And I'm not. I'm not saying this like in a bad way. I'm just curious. Like, when did like you fall in love with Bayern? How, how did that sort of go? Last season, I watched okay. the. The Champions League, like I watched the Champions League last summer, the one that uh, Byron won, <laughs> of course. Uh, and then I basically started following after that. I wasn't okay. really wasn't really following too much sports. So yeah, like I say, I'm I'm pretty new to this game. I'm experiencing a couple things here for the first time. So it'll it'll give a, a little bit of a unique perspective as compared to some of our uh, our experts over here. Hey, I was going to say from college football to the Bundesliga in the span of like a year, uh, that's pretty impressive. I mean, because you, 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 like, you're not just like a, a casual fan says, oh, uh, why didn't they shoot it there? So I, like you have a good understanding of the tactics and everything that goes into it. So like, you know, I find that kind of impressive, honestly. Um, well, I, just, you, I, honestly I don't I think I ever asked that. you. I'm sorry? No, I was just saying, I, I appreciate that. I did play <laughs> soccer up until high school. And I okay. frequently kind of played with my friends. Oh, like okay. Pick up okay. matches. So, so I, I do have a bit of a background more playing the game, but now I'm I'm getting more into following. But 
good stuff. Okay. All right. I, I, I don't think we ever went over that like origin story for you uh, on the podcast. So I just thought I'd take a minute and dive into that. <laughs> Soccer podcast host origin story right there. Yeah. All right. So now we know uh, where you're uh, Jacob sort of coming from out of here. Um, now to get back to England, um, you know, I, I think that ultimately this was a successful tournament for them. I don't know. I, like, obviously the idea is to win the whole thing, but Look, England is a, a, a country and a national team that has struggled frequently in tournaments. Um, and, you know, I think that a country that has in the last three years, last two major tournaments made the semifinals and the final. You know, England was going out in the round of 16 with the United States um, in a few tournaments. Um and, you know, there were a couple going back to like the 90s and 94, they didn't even qualify. So like this is a program that, you know, as, as talented as their players have always been, they've always struggled to sort of put it together when it came, push came to shove and it was time for a major international tournament. So I think that there are, there's valid criticism of Gareth Southgate and how he handled that um, some decisions in the final. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. Um, but ultimately he's got in England farther than just about everyone else uh, in recent history. Uh, so I think that fans probably don't give him enough respect in that regard. Uh, I think, you know, obviously there were some talk among uh, the tabloids and you know, the beacons of British journalism, uh, or English journalism, I should say, um, you know, fire Southgate, sack Southgate, whatever terminology you want to use. And I just think that's complete nonsense. Uh, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. If an American coach accomplished half of what um, Gareth Southgate had accomplished, we would be building him a statue outside of, whatever we designate our national stadium. I don't know. Um, yeah. Whatever the case may be, but you know, I think that Gareth Southgate has done a pretty good job, all things considered as England's manager. And I think some of the hate that he gets is a bit premature. I don't know. I, I guess I kind of want to gauge out uh, what you guys make of that. Yeah, I think it was interesting. And I do think it, uh, I would like to go back to kind of the point you brought up of just with expectations for England. And I think as, you know, the home of the Premier League, as I mean, I, I would say they're more of the home for soccer, the sport as a sport of versus like many other countries, though, I know, obviously, it's got a history throughout Europe. But I think at least from from an American perspective, we, we see soccer as an English sport, not as, you know, a European sport. Um, and I think maybe that's kind of what creates these expectations to say oh England should be good every single year and to have them you know kind of be laughed out of some tournaments recently recently I, I do think and I agree with you Chris that this is a a pretty big moment to make it to the finals to to play how they did and and it's good because uh they had a lot of young players that were able to show off and, and you know inspire hope for the future but KR your thoughts yeah, I completely agree. I think um, a lot of English fans, uh, but <clears throat> for a reason, set high standards and high expectations for their national team um, because, once again, they have the level of talent that England has compared to other European nations or other countries in the world in general are obviously at, you know, at a much higher level than everybody else. And the fact that a majority of the times they're mocked for not being able to make it to the quarterfinals or the semifinals. I think most of the times that gets to, 
and that adds a level of um i would say a level of what's the word i'm looking for it kind of adds to the expectations or the, or the list of factors that play into to the heads of the players and you know the manager garrett southgate as well and taking all things into consideration the fans expectations um their performance that may lack at sometimes and you know, one thing in general that was in the favor of um, the English in this tournament was their environment, right? You had, you were playing at home, you had all these fans cheering for you, but at the same time, if something goes wrong, they were booing you, right? Uh, and all factors considered for this specific European tournament, I think England performed in a way, like Chris said, if, you know, it, it's not something that you should be disappointed in. It's something that should be praised and it should, it's something that, you know, you should take notes from, learn from, uh, learn from the mistakes, learn from um, the great, you know, whatever opportunities you were presented with, learn from what you did well, what you didn't do well. And I think the fact that this is probably one of the youngest ever English team to, you know, play in a European cup as well. I think it's going to, there's only going up from here and it's the right person at the helm and it's the right pieces that are, you know, playing together because they genuinely know that, they're going to win one world trophy or one world tournament in the future. And I think that's not something that, you know, should be written off for England, but it's something that, you know, it's possible, it's achievable, and it probably will be done um, in the next, I would say, couple of years. And um, that's, you know, it's, it's something that England should be proud of, not something that they should be scrutinized or criticized for. Yeah, and I, I guess to sort of go back to my other point, I think the biggest criticism you can make of Gareth Southgate and you know how he managed that final was, and you know part of this is obviously hindsight. If Marcus Rashford and uh, Jane Sancho make their penalties, I don't think anyone uh, even thinks to mention this, but I'd still think it's a valid criticism. I think the idea, and I've thought this before this game, just so we're clear, I thought the idea of bringing on quote unquote penalty specialists uh, for a shootout, it's just I don't know, it just never really seemed to make sense to me because at the end of the day you can try and game it out and strategize. Oh, uh, this keeper leans to his left 60% of the time or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, there's only so much like mind games you can play or tactics or whatever. At the end of the day, it's basically just an exercise in conditional probability. Like the odds that the keeper dives the same way you kick or whatever the case may be. Um, so, you know, that's, I, I I just, I think that it wasn't really necessary. And I think, you know, you want someone who had been in the action and sort of in the rhythm. Cause when you come on and, you know, we, we've all played sports at different levels. Um, you know, uh, Kay or Jacob, you guys both play football. Um, you know, I played soccer and a little bit of rugby, a little bit of basketball, but um, you know, when you come off first, come on to a game off the bench, like you're not entirely in a rhythm. Um, you know, you feel a little, you might be a little rusty and you know, it depends to a certain extent on the sport, how much playing time you get, whatever the case may be. Um, but you're not in your rhythm. You, you might need a few minutes to sort of get into it or a couple of plays. Um, and you don't want to be cold to going into a penalty kick shootout. It just, it's not the position you want to be in. Uh, so that's my first criticism. And my second criticism is just, you know, I think that, you know, it's a, England tends to skew young as far as national teams are concerned. Uh, they've got a lot of young talent. They're kind of like the U.S. in that regard, even though U.S. obviously a few years behind in that development. Um, but I think that they should have relied a bit more heavily on their veterans. 
I'd rather see a defensive midfielder or a center back that's, you know, been there and been in those big moments, be at the club or international level, even if they're not technically quote unquote as good. Though, like I said, penalty shots are basically a crapshoot. So I think you're overthinking it with that. Um, you know, I'd rather see someone with a bit more experience, uh, mental toughness, whatever it may be. That's not to take anything away from, you know, the young players uh, who stepped up there. Cause you know, you want to contribute for your team. And I certainly don't fault them for that. Uh, but I think that's where you want the manager and you want the leaders on the team to say, Hey, I've got this. And then, you know, I, maybe it wouldn't have made a difference. We'll never know. We can't really run a controlled experiment, uh, penalty shootouts, but you know, from my vantage point, I feel like that was probably the biggest criticism I could have in terms of how that the end of that game was managed. I have two quick yeah. questions uh, for you guys. One, would you have, so a lot of people did contemplate that um, Chris, like you mentioned that Rashford and Sancho who were just put in, um, you know, didn't have enough time to warm up and were kind of first shot on goal was a penalty kick and in front of, you know, 60,000 fans that are screaming at them. So um, one, would you have changed the order of the penalty kick takers? And if, let's say, for example, if Rashford and Sancho were um, put into the game, let's say at halftime, would you still have chosen them to go up or would you have chosen somebody else? Uh, Jacob, you want to – I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Um, I got to say, I'm not really sure. Chris, do you want to you take first crack at this? Oh, I was going to say, uh, K, or if you could actually repeat that last question, you kind of cut off there. Sure. So would you have basically, in a sense, would you have choose, chosen Rashford and Sancho to go in there, or would you have only chosen them if they had enough playing time and if they were subbed in, you know, not in the last yeah. extra minute times? Yeah, that's why I was kind of hoping Jacob would answer that first because I didn't want to, I wanted to sort of figure out the question after the fact. That's me trying to not admit that anything's going wrong on my there end, but. Go. Um, yeah, to answer your question, I don't think the issue is necessarily with Sancho or Rashford per se, although, like I said, you probably want to skew older. I think it's more of cold versus warm. Um, you know, I'd rather if Sancho had started that game or come on in like the 75th minute. Yeah, sure. Take a penalty. Why not? But if, uh, you know, it's the 118th minute or whenever it was, they brought him on. I can't remember exactly, you know, just stick with who you got. Like you've got a decently talented squad um you know they're they're deep enough that they can you know any given 11 you have on the field you could probably get through with them um so i, I don't know i i wouldn't have made any substitutions at all i don't think the question is necessarily oh you brought on sancho you should have brought on i don't even know who right um but you know, that's not the issue for me for me it's more just a case of you know just mismanaging um that and just overthinking it i think yeah i, I was gonna say i think one of the things is that they probably overthought it in, in terms of, you know, let's say let's give the ball to whoever we think should be the best. But at the same time, if you're going to bring the guys in, at least bring them in with like 30 minutes to play or whatever, right? Not with three minutes left. And then again, the first shot on goal they have is a penalty kick. I, I think um, it might've been the first touch too. I don't, yeah. I don't remember if Sancho or Rashford like touched the ball at all. Yeah. And at that, see, I feel like at that point, like you're asking to get made fun of, right? Like if, if it doesn't work out your way, like, that's such an English way to go out, right? That's something that I was kind of, I heard everywhere. Everybody was on Twitter like, okay, yeah, only England is possible to do this and go to the penalty kicks and still screw it up, right? And I think it, it all comes down to a sense that do they ever kind of learn from their mistakes or is it something that's like, you know, an English tradition? Let's go to the penalty kicks at, at a final and, uh, you know, let's just have, just mess it all up and, and have everybody make fun of us. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's, it's unfortunate because like England in particular have had the uh, penalty shootout uh, side of it, um, you know, for decades. Like I remember back in like 2009, I was watching a documentary. It's like, there are three certainties in life, death taxes in England, losing in the quarterfinals on penalties. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's unfortunately true. Well, it feels like it's true today, even though it's probably not fair because one, like I said, once you get to penalties, it's basically a coin flip. Uh, doesn't really, not really a skill based way to determine a winner. Um, for up to me, they'd be doing MLS style shootouts, but you know, that's another argument for another time. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I, I can't really fault a team for losing on penalties. I say this as someone who, you know, actually, I don't think the United States has ever had a penalty shootout in like a world cup or something like that. I can't think of one. Um, but Greece was a missed penalty away from the quarterfinals of the world cup in 2014. I don't know if you guys remember that game at all. Um, you know, it was just, it's just, it sucks. It, it's awful. Like, you know, when you're a fan and you're caught up in that moment, it's heartbreaking, but like, really it's a tie. Basically there's a reason why the sports books don't pay out the winning money line. If it goes to penalties, cause you know, like it's really not a win. So, but you know, fair credit to Italy. They're the champions. They, they had an outstanding tournament. I think if you want to look at their whole body of work from the beginning of the group stage to the final, like I think they had the best one by far. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say Italy didn't deserve to win or anything crazy like that. Cause they did, but, uh, you know, the penalty shootouts are kind of a crapshoot and, you know, that's kind of my tangent on them. Yeah. I, I think to, to go off here, KR, that was a, a great question. I don't know if I can give you a good answer, so I'm going to, I'm going to avoid it a little oh, bit. Gonna, come on. I'm going to spin on. it around on, on, on. So I think what I wanted to highlight just about penalty shootouts and something that, you know, I saw that I think may not have a lot of other maybe tangents to other sports, but the fact that for some teams, the players have a lot of choice to say, oh, I'm going to step up and take the penalty uh, uh, or somebody else is going to step up and, and the players are going to kind of get together and decide their order or, you know, who's going to take that key penalty. Um, which I think is pretty unique in terms of just like sports. Cause I, I can't think of a, an instance really in like a comparable instance. Like I'm thinking in basketball, right? You, the person who gets fouled takes the free throws or if it's like a, um, like a intentional foul or a technical foul, like the coach will usually decide who's going to take it. But I think that this is a, a little bit more of a unique thing where there's players that actually have, you know, a, an ability to, to change or to put themselves in. I remember reading something about one of the players and they were kind of writing and he said something like, oh, like, I said, yeah, I'd be willing to take it, but he didn't like say I'm going to or kind of like force himself into the penalty shootout or, or however it went. Um, so they were kind of talking about it there. I just thought it was it was interesting to see just how much the players can impact themselves to put themselves in and say, all right, no, uh, this ball, I'm taking it. I'm doing the penalty. Uh, I just think it's it's interesting to to think about the dynamic of that for some teams, though I know. Some teams, obviously, the coach will pick as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, as someone who has played soccer at that level, like, you know, I, I would basically just do whatever my coach wanted me to do. Um, although I will say, and maybe this is the Greek in me, like if I could give it to like the Chris Middleton of my team, I'll probably just do that because, you know, us Greeks, we're not really closers most of the time. Although, you know, I had a pretty nice dunk in uh, game five, but or we'll talk about that later. Um, 
But um, yeah, that joke kind of fell flat. I was going for a Giannis Middleton thing and I guess it didn't take. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know. There were some rumors, of, oh, this guy didn't want to take a penalty or, um, you know, this one was like hesitant. I, I don't buy that. I think everyone wants to like help out their team. And, I, and like I said, going back to my other point, that's where the manager has to step in and say, I think we need to rely on the veterans because the manager is the one that sets it, not the players. Like if you ask any player, do you want to take a penalty? Like no one, at least no one I know would have said no. Um, but you know, just, um, I don't know. It, it, yeah. It's, it's just certainly so, interesting. It's such a I bad way to the, solve a game. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. I was just going to say, sometimes the players know amongst themselves, like, Oh, I know that I'm better than this guy. And he knows that we're better. I still think it maybe it should be like the captain would kind of help decide rather than just the coach. But I don't know. Certainly an, an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, I think it, it also comes down to like just trust in, in terms of, um, you know, even if the person fails, is the team OK with the guy failing? Right. But at yeah. the same time, you know, as Chris has been mentioning, the penalty shootouts, like they're basically a coin flip. Like you can't there's no certainty involved. It's basically in a sense of. If you're gonna win, okay, all hail this guy. If you're gonna fail, is this guy okay with taking the blame for it, right? And um, that all comes out. That's that's the only two outcomes. And uh, in the end, it's like one of the two, and um, one team's victorious and the other team is not. So it, again, it's a tricky situation in in a sense that I'm sure each team probably also handles it a different way. In a sense that okay, we have these five guys, and these five guys are gonna be the ones who are taking the kicks, or it's gonna be who raises their hand first and Whoever goes, goes, and whatever the outcome is, it, that's what it is. Well, totally see where you're coming from, KR. I'm going to transition us a little bit here to the other side, the other international uh, championship that was going on at the same time, though. Not the only other, I'm sure. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Copa America here. Um, so that uh, as well wrapped up on an uh, early July uh, with Argentina beating Brazil 1-0. Um, I believe it's it's extra meaningful because it's one of, uh, if not the only, I believe, Messi uh, getting some international silverware. I know Argentina has historically struggled internationally just to reach that top mark, uh, at least with Messi uh, on the team. And I know that's been some some criticism of Messi as a player uh, if he's been able to, to you know, reach the, the highest mark internationally. Uh, so I'm sure that this will help boost his ego a little bit. Um, of course, it, it wound up being Argentina and Brazil, who, I mean, I would argue are, are clearly the, the two top clubs um, in that uh, tournament. So I think it was probably a... a good for the uh, conference and good for the tournament in general, just to really end with the two top clubs. But Chris, any thoughts here? I know you're, you probably follow more than me. Well, I mean, you know, this is something I find really weird, but even though the Euros and Copa America are on at the same time, um, you know, Copa America games started at a better time, like for like American fans, and, you know, in terms of quality, like, you know, the Euros have more teams, but like in terms of like the average quality of the teams are not really much of a difference, if any. Um, so I, I find it kind of strange that um, taking all that into consideration, I find it kind of strange that like everyone just sort of focused on the Euros and everyone just kind of forgot about Copa. Uh, like I only watched the final. I'll, I'll admit it right now. And I don't know if it's just 
you know, more soccer than one person with responsibilities can possibly handle or, or, you know, the Euros have just been hyped up more. I don't know, but um, I always found that kind of strange. Um, and, you know, the only time that I remember watching the Copa America extensively is the, in 2016 when the U S was in it. Um, so I blame uh, I blame ESPN for that because all Copa games were on Fox Sports and not everybody has that, but you know everybody has ESPN. Yeah. Also, like the quality of their coverage is not good. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, their their play by play is okay, but it's like everything else. It's just it's kind of like it doesn't feel as much like a big event. Um, if it doesn't have Derek Ray, I don't <laughs> oh know. well, they were the only he was the only one that they brought over for uh, the World Cup and the Women's World Cup. Uh, the last uh, two tournaments they did. Obviously, they couldn't do that here because um, because of the Euros. But now Derek Ray is a national treasure. Like like he should be calling World Cup finals. He should be calling Champions League finals. Like like that guy is so good. A hundred percent, and he's got just just a great voice. Yes, great yes, great broadcasting voice. And also, fun fact about Derek Ray. I know we're getting a bit off topic, which we probably shouldn't be doing because <laughs> USA Canada is going to kick off any minute now. Um, something else I found out about Derek Ray is that for three years, um. So you know how on Thursday Night Football it said Fox, Amazon Prime? Well, if you watch on Amazon Prime, you had three different feeds. You had the main Fox mm. feed with Joe Buck. You had an all-women feed with, um, I think it's um, Andrea Kramer and Michelle Tafoya, I want to say. I'm, I'm going off memory here. I, I might be wrong. Um, and then Derek Ray did a UK feed. So for three years, you could listen to Derek Ray call an NFL game on Thursday huh. nights. Really? Thursday Night Football was also like the worst games that they could have given him. But hey, All right, I guess, guess I'm going to have to start watching Thursday night games now. I don't know if he's still doing it, but he did it for like three years. Um, and what I, what I thought, and maybe this is a good idea, maybe it isn't. I, I don't want to take him away from the Bundesliga too much for you, Jacob. Um, but um, I, I think that uh, if the NFL is going to play a couple of games in the UK, they're going to play them at like 930 in the morning, local time. You know, why not just have uh, Derek Ray, someone who's based in America, yeah. has covered the league. He knows football. Like, he's not like just some – not like you're throwing Martin Tyler on there. Um, <laughs> like, why not? I, I think it would be pretty cool. Um, go look up a video of Darren Fletcher, who you probably don't know the name. But if you hear his voice, you'll remember – you'll recognize it. Mm. And they had him do the Yankees-Red Sox series in 2019. I thought it sounded so cool. So, I don't know. All right. That's just me. Uh-oh. Well, a little little sportscaster moment here for us. Chris, you you brought up that uh, the U.S. game is going on today. You want to give us a little little brief on that? Yeah, I'm going to try and avoid talking specifically about USA Canada because by the time I post this, that game will be over. Uh, one okay. of the uh, pitfalls was uh, taping a podcast uh, right before a big game. But, you know, I, um, this is a U.S. team that's – you could call it a B team you can call it like a C plus team, whatever you, wherever you draw the line, it's kind of arbitrary. <laughs> Point is there, the Pulisic and McKinney is the Pulisic is, I don't even know what the plural, plural Pulisic is. Pulisic, McKinney, Adams, uh, those kinds of players, they're in preseason with their clubs because they have to start the tournament later because of nation's league and all that. Uh, so it's a very young lineup, but there are some really intriguing uh, players here. Um, Jean-Luc Abuzio, um, likes to play that six role. He can make some plays going forward. Uh, he's just uh, had a transfer to uh, Serie outside of uh, Venezia, which just got promoted, I think, from Serie B. Um, so he's going to be hanging over there. He was playing for Sporting Kansas City. Um, you know, there are a couple uh, other younger players in the side. I think James Sands at NYCFC, he's been switching between defensive mid and uh, center back. I think he's going to show a lot of promise going forward. 
Um, and Daryl DK, who I'm sure you guys are pretty much aware of, he was on loan at Barnsley, went back to Orlando for now. Um, he's a guy that uh, is uh, going to really, I think, turn some heads. I think he's probably, if I had to pick one player who has like the best chance to become a key A-team guy heading into qualifiers this fall, it would be DK because the U.S. is kind of thin at that striker spot and has been for a long time. Uh, big frame, physical, can get up in the air and win those uh, 50-50 balls in the box. Um, the way I like to describe him is he's kind of like everything that we thought Josie Altador was going to be, he actually is. And, you know, that's sort of how I like to think of him. And, you know, unless someone even better comes along, I think he's going to have a long and uh, promising career with uh, the men's national team. So um, just because it's not the A team, uh, still all the reason to watch, see some of these young Americans uh, play, um, you know, finishing up the group stage now, heading into the knockout stages. Um, uh, you know, hopefully we can go two for two against Mexico um, if we make it that far. So. Uh, yeah, it's been interesting to watch. And uh, if you're excited about the future of American soccer, like I am, you know, might be, might be something uh, to check out. Yeah, exactly. And it's always interesting uh, when the teams are working towards some silverware, it's always nice to have those accolades, even if it isn't your best team, because it just shows that, you know, your nation or your club is moving in the right direction. So excitement for some of the U.S. youth here. Um, and I will move us now into extra time, our fun little segment here. We've got some questions for our uh, analysts here, and we'll give you a little, little question. We'll have you do an answer. We'll keep it down to about a minute or so. We'll, we'll try to have some fun here. So let's see. Who do I want to start off with? Uh, I'll start off with, uh, Chris. Uh, Chris, there have been multiple reports of players not understanding whether they won or lost a game, depending on the result of a penalty shot. Obviously there were multiple instances of games ending in penalties in the euros in particular. And, you know, a lot of times players will like not know whether they can celebrate or not. Um, because they don't know if that penalty shot means they win, that penalty shot means they lose. I think as a fan, it's pretty anticlimactic to, to have it like that. I know there's obviously some uh, people out there that don't necessarily like how penalty shots work. My question for you is, do the rules for penalties need to be simplified or changed in order to make things more exciting and understandable? Um, well, you, you know, my feelings on the penalty shootout is that we should drastically change it, but you know, my, like I said, different, uh, day for that. Um, I will say this, so one, I don't think issues with the format. I think it's just the fact of, you know, when we're watching on TV, we see the big graphic that says, uh, three greens, two reds or whatever it is. Uh, and we can keep track of it pretty easily, but when you're a keeper, you're just focused or a, a shooter, you're just focused on like, you know, what's in front of you. And I would argue that psychologically that's probably for the best. Because if you're a goalkeeper or you know going up to kick it, think about this: Are you more likely to you know concentrate and go through your mechanics uh, of the shot or or the save, depending on what side you're on? You're more likely to be able to go through that and execute it better when you don't know that that's like the possible winning or losing shot, or you know if you have that in your head, maybe you get into your head a bit much, maybe you overthink it, and then you know that's where you get into trouble. So I don't think that there's really an issue with the format, and frankly, I just 
you know, I don't think that that's necessarily the worst thing. All right. Thanks very much, Chris. Uh, K.R., Lionel Messi overtook Cristiano Ronaldo this week for the most liked sports photo on Instagram. How many likes does your most popular Instagram post have? And how important is social media oh. for today's soccer stars? Wow, putting them on the spot oh, here. Man, I don't Thanks. know. I got to scroll through that. I'll, I'll estimate. I, it's probably uh, somewhere in the one to two hundreds. Um, probably, let's say, let's say 160, 180 ish in, in that range. Okay. It's probably the most liked photo. Social media nowadays, I think, is uh, probably. One of the biggest things being a sport athlete, no matter what sport you're in, um, and knowing that, you know, soccer is an international sport and uh, they like players, um, you know, players like Messi and Ronaldo have a large gathering without social media. If that's translated on the show, social media, there's always going to be, you know, a forum for support, a forum for a hatred, which I, you know, I don't, I don't understand why, like, People should just be happy on social media when they see, you know, Messi or Ronaldo post. You're never going to get two greats, two legends like this coexist at the same time in, in a sport, um, you know, like ever probably again in your lifetime. There might be some later down the road, but I might not be allowed then to see it. So, um, but again, I feel like soccer players also do a better job of, uh managing themselves on social media compared to some other stars that we've seen on other <laughs> sports. So um, it's a tricky situation, but I think it's probably a part of the game, a bigger part of the game now than it has ever been before. For sure. And yes, you're, you're only a little bit off from the uh, 20 million that uh, Leonardo Messi got. I was going to say Kaor is in a better <laughs> position than I am. Uh, I'm only at 104 for my most late post. <laughs> Hey, maybe well, we'll get there one day. If we add all of ours together, maybe one day uh, we'll be we'll be at <laughs> one we'll of these days. We is, we've got to get him on our podcast, and then yeah, there we go. We need Polar FC to go mega viral, say, and then we're gonna take down this record for sure. The only way to beat him is to be with him on a picture, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll beat that record. <laughs> exactly. All right, Chris. San Jose coach Almeida, their translator got sent oh, off yes. during a match. So there was a, a wild turn of events, a lot of arguments going on, and the translator got sent off the match. The coach got a yellow card. He was allowed to stay. My question for you is, will this translator keep his job or lose it? Um, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know what he said exactly. I don't know if that's been like revealed yet. I, 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 all I saw was like the video of it, which is pretty wild. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is like a KD uh, or was it KD or Harden who had the bodyguard go out on the court during that game. Do you guys remember that at all? Okay. I'm having a total. I, I know the incident, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm having a total senior moment on that, but um, um, you know, I, I, man, I don't know, man. That's wild though. Like, what could he have positive? And like, but also like he's translating, like he's just saying what the coach wants him to say. Like what, what? So, so it's okay to say it in Spanish, but then if you translate it to English, you're the bad guy. Like, I, I don't know. I don't. Exactly. I, I think this guy was just doing his job. He was, he was saying what the coach wanted. He's into the game. I think this anything that shows his commitment to be a good translator. Cause he's even translating things that could maybe lend him a red card. 
And also to make my second point, once you send off the translator, he has to go back to like the locker room or wherever he's based out of. <laughs> How is the coach like communicating with his players for the remaining of the game? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. That's like I mean, that's I'm sure a couple a of them, big issue. I'm sure a couple of them probably speak Spanish, but like you know, oh, he's like, got Google Translate pulled up on his iPhone. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> but you accidentally sub on the wrong guy because like you have some sort of loss in translation, or I don't know how that would yeah, work. Maybe I don't know. I'm sure it was tough. Or they accidentally go to like a seven man back line because they don't know the difference between like five or seven or whatever. <laughs> They're the know. wrong numbers. <laughs> I don't know. But that was, you know, I love MLS, but that it, that league can be so bizarre at times. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it definitely has that that sort of intrigue, though. All right, KR, last question of the night here. Who should be the face of U.S. soccer? So we've talked. Uh, a fair bit about U.S. soccer, of course, us being based in the U.S. Uh, and the two biggest names in my head, at least, are Pulisic and Reyna. Um, do you who do you who of those two do you think should be the face of U.S. soccer, or do you think it should be someone else entirely? Um, see, I would probably be split between it being a triad, uh, three faces on the cover of, of the U.S. team, or it just being one lone man with Christian Pulisic. I think he's elevated the game of um, soccer or football in, in the U.S. and for the U.S. Uh, in the last couple of years. And I think he's also done great with the platform he's been provided. So I think, you know, overall, I it's there's no downfall yet. I hope there isn't ever, but there's no downfall of, you know, Christian Pulisic being the face of, of uh, the United States United States men's soccer team. But at the same time, I can see it being an affair like the United States women's team where it's a collective, you know, team. There's no figurehead that kind of, you know, says, okay, I'm the face of the women's team. It's sort of, they're all in it together. And, you know, the, the country is kind of behind them being together as well. So um, it can be, again, a, a mixture of all the young talent that the men's team currently has that saying okay this is the U- the future of the u.s men's team and it's it's the they're kind of like the founding fathers of, of you know the next big step for u.s men's soccer so again i if there was if i was put on a sh- put on a spot it would be pulisic but if i wasn't i would say you know it's kind of every man for himself right now and then the the what i've seen so far excites me for what's coming in the future chris any thoughts here before we wrap it up yeah, I would say right now it's Pulisic just because he's, you know, a bit further along in his career than the other guys. He's at a big club. He won the Champions League. Um, I think it's him until someone unseats him. But this is like just a, a testament to how exciting the future of American soccer is because there are so many guys that are either playing at big clubs, Weston McKinney at Juventus, uh, Tyler Adams over at uh, RB Leipzig. Uh, you know, who knows? He might be on the move in a couple of years too to an even bigger club. Uh, or, you know, for all we know, Leipzig could just, you know, just – boss everybody with Jesse Marsh and win the Bundesliga, win the Champions League, you know, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, yeah, you know, just, you know. Only time will tell. Yes, only time will tell. But, um, you know, it's just a, a testament to how exciting that whole youth movement is. And you've got Reyna, who's even younger, over at Dortmund. What's his future look like? It's possible that the best player of this generation hasn't even, like, made it big yet. Yeah. Because um, there's so many guys going over. It, like, it used to be, like, we'd get excited when, like, um some some dude like was starting or getting minutes in the english championship and like it'd be very rare like you'd have like a clint dempsey uh or a tim howard and that would be pretty much it 
but there's so much depth and so much young talent. I mean, I just saw a thing about Serginio Dest earlier today that Barza might be looking to swap him over to Bayern. Um, yep. And, you know, he's a guy who, you know, I think has one of the highest ceilings out of all of them over in that, uh, that right back spot. Um, so, you know, I think that the United States is in a pretty good spot in terms of the youth movement and look, the world cup next winter is going to be, I think a big test uh, for where we are and, you know, what the future ultimately will be. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's always been that Landon Donovan or that Josie Altador or Clint Dempsey, because there hasn't been somebody else to kind of be on the same level of talent or, you know, same level of comparison on the men's team, um, you know, not taking everybody else in the world into account. But now that there is so much, you know, same level skill or, you know, the, the, the talent is kind of all over the place. It's not kind of centralized into one player or one position either. So, um, again, I think it's spread out. That kind of shows the future of the team as well, because there's, like Chris said, there's a lot of depth and that should be exciting if, um, you know, if it all goes to plan, but you know how the, we know how the United States men's team has performed when there's been expectations. So, Well, I'm happy we ended on a more positive note. There's some hope at least for the U S stars. The only note I had on this topic was the last time I saw Pulisic, it was a video of him juggling a soccer ball on a boat with a big fish nearby and he fell into the water And I was just thoroughly confused at that whole situation. Why are you out there? Why are you juggling? How did you fall in? Why were you so concerned? It's a fish. It wasn't like a shark. It was just, it was, it was a thoroughly confusing experience. People were like freaking out about that on the internet though. Like, oh, how awful is it? He's doing that to that fish. It's like, that fish is in danger. And I'm like, first off, how is he or anyone else supposed to know what fish is and isn't in danger? That's not something that we just carry around in our heads. And two, he clearly didn't have any intention of harming. Like he just, he was juggling over the fish and then he accidentally fell into the water. The fish is fine. Christian is fine. America is fine. Like it's, it's just a whole. I mean, I'm not, I'm not getting outraged, but I'm I'm not, I'm not saying you are, but there are people that are. And that just drives me nuts. Like, listen, he finished the juggle, right? And it's over a big fish. But he finished okay. juggle. You, I haven't done that. I don't have any plans of doing that, but he's done it. And he did it. You know, he completed it. I can't, can't be mad at the guy for doing something he's gifted at. I, I just think the, the inclusion of the fish was just very, very confusing to me. And with that, we will leave you. Thank you all for listening and have a good night.